Welcome to Devotions in the Deep End. I'm Cam Buchanan, and this is a carefully crafted devotional journey through the New Testament. Let's venture into deeper water as we consider what it means to follow Jesus in the world we live in now. Welcome to a shorter episode of Devotions in the Deep End. We have been working our way through a key passage of Scripture known as the Sermon on the Mount. The current theme is around living lives in a righteousness better than the way the ancient Pharisees knew. And in this episode, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 to 37. Again, you have heard that it was said to people long ago, Do not break your oath but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. The law of Moses was really clear about making promises and vows. The third commandment in Exodus chapter 20 says that we should not take the name of the Lord our God in vain. In other words, we should not be making statements under God which we have no intention of honoring. In Leviticus 19, the Lord says, Do not bring shame on the name of your God by using it to swear falsely. And in Numbers chapter 30, verse 2, Moses tells the people that a man who makes a vow to the Lord or makes a pledge under oath must never break it. He must do exactly what he said he would do. So in the Old Testament, the Lord called for his people to display honesty and keep their word, particularly if they gave their word to him. However, the Pharisees had ingeniously massaged these verses and came up with a different interpretation. They had rightly worked out how fallible they as humans were, and they had seen the poor track record of Israel at keeping any vows they had made. So they looked for a way where God would not hold them accountable for the inevitable time they would break their word. Their solution was to take the focus away from the vow itself and focus on the formula for making it. To them, the sin was not the false vow, but the false use of God's name to make that vow. So, for example, the third commandment was not that they would take the Lord's name in vain, but that they took the Lord's name in vain. What followed were some elaborate rules about vows. The Pharisees and other experts on the Mosaic law created a formula for what was appropriate or not in the making of these promises. The result was this. The vows which were made including God's divine name were binding, and the ones which didn't use God's name, well, not so much. To the Pharisees, there were things which mattered so much that you had to keep your word, and bringing God's name into the bargain seemed to seal the deal. For example, a man who got caught out doing something morally or ethically wrong might need to bring God's name into it if he wanted to convince others he'd learned his lesson and was going to change. Even today, we seem to see the same thing. I swear to God, I'll never do that again. Believe it or not, We still bring God into the picture when we want to give our promises more weight, don't we? However, swearing to God for something less was considered a little bit frivolous. Swearing to God that you would remember the milk on the way home from work was plain silly and unnecessary. But swearing on your head or on your life or on the temple or anything that didn't include God's divine name would be okay. 
And if you forgot, well, since you didn't bring God into it, you'll be just fine. Jesus held great contempt for this system. And Matthew chapter 23 is evidence of this. Let me read this passage out to you. Verses 16 to 22. Woe to you, blind guides. You say if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by that oath. You blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gift on the altar is bound by that oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And anyone who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. And anyone who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. Jesus is saying here that you cannot take God out of any of the promises you make. He hears everything, so making vows that don't include God are actually impossible. So instead of this silly system that splits hairs, Jesus invites us into a different way of thinking, and this feeds into a key idea present over the last few episodes. Kingdom people live different lives. Instead of doing just enough and only what is prescribed, we have power through the Holy Spirit to live out a righteousness that goes beyond that. This is true in the area of lust and anger, and it is also true with our words. The better way, according to Jesus, is this. Don't weigh up which vows to put God into and which not to. Don't decide which promises need the most drama and which things we need to be the most convincing with. Instead, as kingdom people, in all things, say a simple yes or no. Then have the integrity of heart to hold up the two or three letter word we choose to employ. We like to make oaths, because by nature we are liars. But we inherit a new nature in the kingdom, a Christ-like nature. Such a nature seeks truth, and in this kingdom, oaths are superfluous, because we should be known as keepers of our word. It's interesting to note that in the desert of southern Israel during Jesus' time, there was a group of Jews called the Essenes. They had nothing to do with the Pharisees, and they were known even in secular history as people of their word. They taught that the one who couldn't be believed without swearing by God was already condemned. The scholar A.M. Hunter said this, When a monosyllable will do, why waste our breath by adding to it? So as we come to the end of this rather short episode, there really is a simple application of this lesson. Keep your word. Let our yes be yes. Let our no be no. Don't make it a dramatic thing, but live like every word that leaves your lips is heard by God because they are. We're now going to finish this short episode with a word of prayer. Jesus, I just want to be a person of my word. Help me to make my yeses and my noes count. Help me to be known by my integrity as somebody who carefully weighs up every word I speak. I know that all I say is done in your earshot. So help me to honor you by sticking to the things I say. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. To stay in touch, like our devotions in the Deep End Facebook page and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I look forward to catching up next time.